Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rambosity, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's good? What's good, everybody? We are meeting live in front of a live audience today. Um, actually, the live audience is Luke Parker. What's up, Luke? How you doing, man? What's up, Luke? <laughs> All right. I'm here with Thomas Winborn, and we are in the office of Tyler Armstrong today. What's the up? Tyler Armstrong. The Tyler Armstrong. Yes. One and only. Extraordinaire. I'm just kidding. I'm not that arrogant. What's up, Thomas? How you doing, man? <laughs> oh, man. I'm I'm doing well, man. Coming off the heels of uh, back to work, but having a lot of... Uh, downtime my family and i'm excited to be on this podcast doing some more uh just time talking about things that matter you know yeah. things that matter for our church and how to be more like jesus so i'm excited about that so we're gonna enter into a time with some questions first off but um, i'm really excited about today's topic and we haven't really prepped much for it we're gonna see how it flows but uh, it's something we've been talking about and talking about and talking about yeah, so it should it's, be good it's something that you know that's influenced the way that we do life a lot of ways and so something that me even subconsciously yeah and, and the way and the, and the way that me and you have even talked about it discussed it a lot like it's something that me and you have realized, man, this is something we need to talk about where we've kind of just kind of said, oh, we'll talk about kind of kicking the ball down the field, but today we're going for it. We <laughs> yeah. are going for it. Yeah. So who is a pastor that has personally influenced your ministry, Thomas? Gosh, this is the series of questions where I answer multiple things for each question. Yeah, and it's, so it's going to take uh, about 30 minutes to get through it. So yeah, y'all so bra- do it brace yourself. Quick, do it kind of quick. So <laughs> I would say most time spent with someone as a pastor has influenced me. I'm talking about from positive influence. always negative influences in your life. There's people you're around that you're like, I'm not going to do it that way, right? Mm-hmm. From a positive influence, Dr. Calvin Pearson, Dr. Malcolm Yarnell at Southwestern really poured into my life hardcore. I served with Dr. Yarnell for a couple of years as as his administrative assistant. Dr. Pearson, I would meet with him early in the morning as the sun was coming up and pray with several guys and just spend time together. But locally here, Dr. Richard Trader, when I would come home, uh, poured into me. And since I've been back here, I would say the pastor that's poured into me the most has been Dr. Troy Morrison. Yeah. And I've, I've knew him. I've known about him from my dad. Uh, but I have come to know and love him and respect and have learned so much from spending time with Dr. For sure. Morrison. So. Yeah. And D- Brother Troy is incredible, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I know Dr. Schrader. I mean, he was a pastor at 12th Street for a little while, but I don't yeah. know, know him. And so. Well, he's an amazing communicator. The guy doesn't use notes and preaches the word expositionally on the mark, love Jesus, Jesus exalting, spirit-led. I mean, yeah. good guy, man. Really good guy. For me, it's going to be Earl Mitchell. Um, Earl Mitchell is my former pastor at First Baptist Church, Vitala, um, who I served under. Um, the guy taught me that being a pastor is not just about preaching. You know, sometimes oh, it's yeah. uh, climbing on the roof and running wire and, the, and spitting snow in, like, 20-degree weather. Uh, sometimes it's cleaning toilets on Sunday mornings. Yep. I mean, just yep. watching this guy do this work and then just loving God's church. I mean, man, he... You know, seminary trained, um, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have an MDiv, but the guy just loves Jesus. You know, he just loves Jesus, bleeds Jesus and showed me, listen, Tyler, like you don't have to be like the Matt Chandlers. You don't have to be like the Francis Chans. You don't have to be like the David Platts. You need to be like the Earl Mitchells. You know, that's the guys who you need to strive to be like, because I think that's guys in heaven that, you know, Jesus is going to look at and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Those other guys are great, man. We're not not going to be around those guys in the same way. I mean, the majority of guys are going to serve in the capacity that Earl Mitchell is serving in, you know, that we're serving in. Yeah. You know, less than a thousand people in your church, less than 500 people in your church. Most churches, less than 200 people in your church. I mean, we're a large church in this area. Yeah. I mean, we're we're one of the largest churches. And we're not the largest, though, by far. But we are comparatively, most churches are under 100. Mm-hmm. In and, the US. That, and and that's 
I mean, and that's just what we need to realize. And so, shout out to Earl, man. If you listen to this, love you, bro. Um, who have you been worshiping with, Thomas? So I could not decide, and I even asked uh, Luke and Tyler who they preferred and got various answers. And so I've got two songs that both have to do with feasting, and which reminds me of the Lord's Supper, especially in the end times. But one is from uh, Sandra McCracken, We Will Feast in the House of Zion. To me, it has that old school kind of southern gospel-y folky thing going on yeah um i really like the song and um come to the feast is the second one come to the feast by the gospel coalition it's the lady singer i don't know who it is just this gospel coalition and it's out of the songs for the book of luke and uh it's basically about that passage in luke where uh you know the master of the house says go out and find people for me to come in and feast whether rich or poor or you know those who are in famine or who are full bring them to me sick or well uh, just a good gospel song. For sure. Um, I really like the song Garden by Jervis Campbell. Um, it's a song, uh, me and Luke have kind of went on this uh, really funny phase where we've just been diving into different Spotify playlists that we find online. And so uh, we've been sending them back and forth to one another, but hey, check out this podcast. Hey, check out this playlist. Hey, check out this playlist. And I found this guy on one of them named Jervis Campbell. Um, he sang this song Garden. Oh my gosh, it's just so good. From the garden to the shadows, every heartbeat belongs to you. Like a sharpened arrow, you guide me, you send me through. I mean, it's just like really lyrical, and it just kind of has this kind of it's, it's it's a newer newer sound. You does know? his voice sound robotic like Jarvis? Uh, no, it does not. That's good. So, no, it does not sound like Jarvis. And so, yeah. all right. So, where's one place that you've never been to <laughs> that you want to go before you die? All right. So, funny enough here that I have down French Polynesia and Israel, and by French Polynesia I mean Fiji mm-hmm. for the most part. But I would take your option. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is still French Polynesia. It is so French, I have French yeah. Polynesia and Israel. And Tyler, what are yours? Uh, Israel and Bora Bora, which is part of French, French Polynesia. Polynesia. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, we didn't realize how close we were in this. I guess we should just take like two couples trips and go. We can invite anybody from the church who wants to go to French Polynesia, and on the way back, we can circle <laughs> the other way around the globe and go to Israel. And then just circumnavigate, and then just like circumnavigate the world. Yeah, it'd be a four week trip. Magellan. One one week in French Polynesia, three weeks in Israel. You need that much. To oh, do dude, Israel. I would like. Man, Israel, I have a friend of mine that just recently went. Yeah. And, um, you know, speaking about the divides, we're talking about that today, but he was talking about, you know, he got, he understood the Palestinian, like the whole the whole Palestinian yeah. and uh, Israeli divide so much more. And he said, man, it's not as nuanced as what we make it out to be in America. No, dude, it's crazy. It, it's so gray, you know. And so um, he said, man, he said, I learned so much. And that's what he walked away with it from. And yeah. I was like, man, that's the thing you walked away with? He's like, yeah, man. He said it was incredible, you know, walking where Jesus walked and all these things. He said, but those things are so touristy. Yeah. The thing that changed him was hanging out with a, pilot, with a Palestinian Christian and an Israeli Christian in the same room. Yeah. And listen to them talk about these things. So I was like, man, I would love just to experience. And I mean, when you hang out with a Palestinian Christian, you're hanging out with like one of 2,000 people. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're crazy. Like, I worked in Morocco for a summer with Palestinian Christians who were sharing the gospel with Muslims and yeah. getting beat up for it right in front of my face, right? We were getting like beat up on for, for doing it. And these guys were telling me stories where even the Jewish folks, they were living in an, in an area, mm-hmm. Jewish folks settled all around them, they were stuck there, and they, they would be, like, killed if they were caught there in this area, like, in their land. Crazy yeah. stuff, man. But I think it's awesome. I'd love to go. I think you need three weeks. There's, have you looked into how much it costs to do that? Uh, I've seen the cheapest trip I've seen is, like, 2500 yeah, there's That's a trip the that goes out of DTS mm-hmm. that has DTS professors that go and some other world-renowned experts on Israeli stuff and yeah. history that I think would be excellent. It's at least 3500 bucks to go. It's like yeah. three weeks. 
And see, I would love to like do that. I think there was a there was a group from town that went and there was like twenty five hundred. Yeah. You know, but I think it was led by the pastor and all this stuff. I don't remember exactly when all that was, but I would just love to go, man. Yeah, it'd be awesome. I think it's like two weeks that they went and so yeah. I think three weeks over you know. Three anyway. weeks would be good. So what's a book that you'd like to recommend to everybody? So here's a book that is really a collection of like writing slash sermonettes, I guess, from C. S. Lewis. Yeah. It's not really a book per se. Yeah, it's it's, it's bound more, together. Yeah, it's more just kind of like bound together by, you know, publishers. Yeah. That, and, and, and I mean, I mean, he talked about it. I mean, it's a really, it's a good, it's a good work. So go ahead. Yeah, it's called The Weight of Glory, which is named after the first of the, of the pieces in the book. And, uh, it's just really good, man. It's, it's a it's a good book by C.S. Lewis. It's probably my favorite read of C.S. Yeah. Lewis. Yeah, I mean, and you gotta remember, I mean, it's, it's it's compiled together, so it doesn't read like a you know like not like, like a novel. It's no, not no. a novel. It's just it's just it's just a book of compiled writings talking about you know really the way to. Well, glory. and I got into reading it because of the title of it. Yeah. And 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 I'm like, the idea of glory, God's glory, is so hard to talk about yes. and understand. And his writing on it was so good. Um, and so I just thought, man, that that's that's something I want to read. So I picked it up, read it, and it was really, really good. It became one of my favorite. It's one of the easiest reads, Lewis. too, in my opinion. Yeah. It's not a hard read. Yeah. So Lewis is a hard read, but that's not one of his hardest. Yeah, what about you? Um, for me, I'm going to go a long, a long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. I don't know if I recommended this one before. I've talked about Peterson a couple of times. This book, he actually goes through the Psalms of Ascent, which are the uh, Psalms that the Hebrew people would actually sing on their ascent into Jerusalem before Passover. Walking up the hill, yeah. Yeah, walking up the hill. And so um, Psalms, it's Psalms that Jesus sang. And he takes each one of those and relates them to a spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's really neat. Um, it's probably my favorite book by Peterson outside of the contemplative pastor. Um, my mother-in-law, who is not a believer, actually bought me this book. And so oh, wow. um, I, I love it. And so um, it's also one of my favorite covers. I got the 20th anniversary edition. Yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a hot take. I hate book sleeves. I thought the, the book sleeves. I throw them away. <laughs> I take them off and I rip them up and I throw them away. Somebody's gonna not like you anymore when oh. they get your books and they try to sell them <laughs> and they're like, I can't wait to sell them because the books. Yeah, because gone, the book, they don't, don't sell my books. My books are yeah. just gonna sit there. All right, yeah. that's fine. Um, give them to another pastor one day. Do not sell my books. But anyway, um, I rip book sleeves off and I kept that book sleeve. It's that beautiful. Oh, yeah. It has like this mountain on it. Oh, I must see it. I'll, I'll show it to you in just a second. It's in my desk. All right. So anyway, today's topic. We're talking about the Great American Divide, otherwise known as the chasm created by the conflagrance of po- political stream- extremism, social media, and digital capitalism. Yeah, did you catch that? Yeah, let me, let me say that one more time. Let me say it. Yeah, all right, go ahead. The Great American Divide. I, I made the joke with Luke earlier. I was recording the uh, 12th Street Daily, and I said, hey, man, like, nobody has to listen to my podcast in two times speed. No, you talk because I talk speed. in two times, speed. and I can do that as well. But uh, people <laughs> can't catch it all because this is a very, this is a very, this is a jam-packed statement. Today's thing we're talking about is the Great American Divide, the chasm created by the conflagrance of political extremism, social media, and digital capitalism. That that is a jam-packed statement. So we're gonna break this down, and not gonna have enough time to spend on it. I mean, we're gonna spend like ten or fifteen minutes on this. It's not enough time. Okay, twenty minutes probably. Twenty minutes probably. Yeah. So. This is something that really, I mean, kind of, I mean, it, it came to it came to mind really for me like last fall about the amount of time that I was spending on social media, the amount of time that, you know, I was spending on my phone and then COVID happened and then yeah, it dude. really got brought to light about how much time I was spending on social media, how much time I was spending on my phone, how much time I was spending just consuming media in general. 
and I got very convicted about well, it. Well, and then it know? jumps into the bit of like, for most people, that probably happened. Yeah. You know, time on phone, time on social media. Yeah. And then it got jumped into the problem of look at what's happening in the world in addition to COVID 19, oh. which is the world is on fire, especially well, in the U.S. Well, the world is on fire. And, then, and I mean, let's just review. So you had January happen, which World War III almost happened. We bombed Iran out in the middle of the night. Yeah. I'll never forget when that happened. The February was kind of quiet. Then March happened. NBA shut down. I'll never forget that. That was a yeah. Wednesday night. NBA shuts down. Then the entire freaking world shut down. Yeah. I mean, it was just shut down. Everybody's pent up, all this anger. And then the George Floyd thing happened. Yeah. And then when the George Floyd thing happened, it was like a powder keg. Yeah. And now it's been a series of explosions. Yeah, micro explosions. Yeah, micro explosions. But it has ignited major cities around the country. And some stuff that yeah. we don't hear anymore, like stuff still going on stuff in cities. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, like I mean, World War Three in their mindset. I mean, like it's, look it's at Portland. Apocalyptic. Look at all these things. And then out of nowhere... Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies this week, yeah. not this weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, goodness gracious, 2020, when are you going to let we up? We forgot about murder hornets. Murder hornets? Yeah. I mean, uh, did those in the back of your mind. Uh, okay, let, let's talk about the time that, you know, the Pentagon said there's UFOs. Like, yeah. That was a fun one. <laughs> like, nobody knows about that one. Like, you can Google it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, like, you know, just talking about all these things. And this is the thing. Like, I'm sitting here going, when is this going to stop? And this is the thing. It's not going to stop. No. It's yeah. not going to stop because this is the thing that our culture is fed off of outrage yeah and the entire goal of social media the entire goal of news companies the entire goal of every media company is to divide us well but that's not their goal their uh, primary goal necessarily is to yeah. make money but to make money digital capitalism yes that's yes. the primary yes, goal that and that makes goal. sense because they are driven by the bottom line because their shareholders determine what they do because mm -hmm. they have to generate income and what do they do to generate income? They do whatever makes the most money the quickest. Yeah. And so they've figured that out, especially social media. And, and, and so that's what I mean. And, and now what they've done is, is now we have entire news companies that like, I can't listen to this news company because they're too far left. I can't listen to this news company because they're too far right. I can't listen to this. And so what we've done is, is now instead of there being like a middle ground, everything is moving farther to the left yep. and farther to the right. Yep. And so where does the Christian stand in this? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, and it's really hard. I mean, here, here's a here's a, a put off the front. So if you are not aware of what we're talking about when we talk about digital capitalism, when we refer to social media and how it pushes people, you don't understand. If you, if you don't understand that social media and Google search engines and all that Facebook, stuff is, Twitter, is driving Reddit, what you YouTube. think, driving what you look at, you need to just go and watch. And, and listen, I'm not saying this is like the end all be all. Go get your mind open a little bit by watching a movie on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. Yes. The Social Dilemma. It's an hour and a half. You're going to see the guys and ladies who in invented all this stuff mm -hmm. looking back going, we messed up and it has gone crazy. And you yes. need to understand what's happening. It's the number nine uh, recommended. It's the number nine recommended uh, movie right now on Netflix, documentary on Netflix. It also won a uh, won a, an award at the Sundance Fest at the Sunfall, which is, I mean, me as being a guy who consumes, who consumes a lot of film. That's a big deal. You know, yeah. Sundance is a big independent movie festival. Thing. But the reason I say so, you should watch it as a believer is simply because you need to understand like how we're being influenced in some ways that is not just conjecture. Yeah. It's for the people that invented this stuff. And then I'm not saying that everything they say is right. Every viewpoint is said from a point of view. Yeah. Well, I mean, right? I mean so, that, that entire movie is skewed to a, sure. to kind of a more of an anti, you know, not really, I don't, I don't want to say anti. Yeah, I can say that anti-social media company viewpoint because what they're trying to do is like the guy who created like the Facebook monet monetization scheme. I don't even know if I said that right. Yeah. Um, the guy who created that, he's on there and he's talking about how they they use this to monetize and all this stuff. Right. 
And so it's created from this viewpoint of it's against big social media companies. But at the same time, I think that the way that you arrive to an accurate viewpoint is listen to both sides, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and that's and that's just it. But so you should do that yeah. because because it helps you to understand. It, it helps you to understand what is going on in the world around us to know how you're being influenced that you might not already realize it. And so part of that's because we'd have these conversations where if you're sitting, you know, at the table at home talking about how I need. I got to buy some new blinds. These blinds are broken in my windows, right? The next thing you know, when you pull up your phone, you're getting ads for blinds in Facebook. Yes. Or you start to type in something in Google, and it says how to, and then it autofills, replace your blinds yeah. in your windows. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean or, you're referring to a situation that happened this past week, and I, I broke a ceiling fan. It happens house. to me, too. Yeah, it happens I mean, to everybody. Yeah, you Google how to. I Googled how to replace, like, pool thing and ceiling fan. I hadn't talked about that. I hadn't done anything like that, and it popped up. I had been talking. I mean, like it was just like I'm, you talked about it right before it about right the problem. Right before it, and yeah. so I mean, and even I mean, Elon Musk. I mean, who's one of the leading tech giants in the world? Yeah, I mean, he, if you don't know Elon Musk, he's the yeah. guy over um, Tesla, Tesla, SpaceX, SpaceX, and his new the, thing, Neuralink, that he's literally creating AI-infused humans. I yeah. mean, it's just insane. Um, but I was listening to um, listen to him talk, and he said, "Do we realize we we're already essentially cyborgs?" Like, I mean, what's the one thing you can't you leave your to, house without yeah. your phone? I was, I went to Walmart earlier to go look at something and I walked in and just kind of just went through this lens, looked around how many people had their phones in their hands. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and it's literally consuming an entire generation and generation like Gen Z. We don't mean generation. I, I don't think you mean, I would say it's consuming an entire generation. It is not just like the Gen Z or the, the millennials. No, it's, it's consuming, consuming the entire us. world yes. in this generation. Yeah, in this generation, like this, this time it period. It consumes not, yeah. people my mom's age. It consumes people that are in high school. It consumes all of these generations. So I, I don't, it's a real issue. And, and so here's the problem. We're becoming more and more divided in our social media situation, the way it is, the way it directs you, what it puts in front of you, uh, how Google responds. If you type in in Alabama, like they talk about in the video, if you type in um, in Alabama uh, something about like world uh, hunger, or if you mm -hmm. type in something, it's going to give you a different answer based off where you are. Yeah. And so the liberal folks have been nuanced and recorded with everything they go to. And so they're only getting fed things that fit what they want to see. Mm -hmm. And then us as uh, Christians, we're only getting fed what we want to see. If I Google right now on Google, if I Google uh, something about the Bible, it's going to pull up every time the Gospel Coalition yes. because I go there often. But So I've started using other search engines to get better feeds of more things in general to see what pops up, and that stuff doesn't pop up the same. So it's a real issue. The real issue we want to talk about today is the fact that we have a divide in America that is getting more and more extreme, mm -hmm. and I don't see a way out of it for the nation until some major thing happens. Yeah. But what do we do as Christians in the midst of this? Because we are being basically jammed into these flows, one liberal, one conservative, one uh, trending towards, uh, we'll put it this way, Trump, one trending towards Biden. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of what's happening right I now. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's just this huge machine that is driving us either right or left. You're There's either BLM no and Antifa or you're Republican. I mean, I mean, or, or I mean, not even, right. not even Republican, white supremacist, white supremacist, white supremacist, gun toting white supremacist, you yeah. know, and like, I mean, and rebel flag waving, yeah, you know, and and that's the view of everything. And I, I read, I read today, like, you know, it's the the liberal left wants to make everything seem everything is black and white seem that should be black and white gray, and then the right wing wants to make everything that's gray seem black and white. 
you know, and it's not that nuanced. There's no, I mean, and, and it's just, we live in a world that is a very gray world. But everything we were looking at in social media and mm-hmm. on TV is that new. I mean, yes. it is, is, is yes. that I way. mean, it is. it is black and white mm-hmm. in the way they present it or gray in the way they present it. And that's where we're being colored. So what we're seeing is not unity coming through open, real dialogue between real people. It's, it's further and further divide yes. in the country. So what do we do with it? That's the question. I mean, and, and honestly, we're not going to come to the answer in this podcast. Not totally. But I will say this. The way that the church can find unity is, one, his name is Jesus. You yeah, know, and, 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 and I'm not trying to be cliche. I'm serious. Look at the people who Jesus surrounded himself with and the, and the disciples. I, one of my seminary professors pointed this out. You had Simon the Zealot. Tax collector. Ta- and, then, and then you have Matthew the tax collector. You literally had a guy who was pro-Roman, uh, pro-Roman, um, like, um, essentially, like, you know, what, what's, what's the word? Um, oppression. Not really oppression, but kind of well, like. He made his living off, off the of Roman, the Roman yeah, the occupation. Roman, yeah, there you go. That's yeah, the yeah, word. Yeah. I didn't want to say oppression. I didn't want to yeah, say, yeah. like, I was like, what is that word? And then you had another oh, guy, yeah. that's Simon the Zealot, who, who is, is, like, uber religious. He would be the conservative right-wing guy, And who's basically. like, overthrow the Romans. You know, yeah, I mean, that's that yeah, guy. Yeah. And they are, could you imagine the conversations around the campfire when they're just hanging out? And Jesus yeah. just. Leading them in the ways of Jesus, you had, I mean, you had Peter who, you know, took up a sword against a guy. Yeah. You know, and I mean, and then you had, you know, John who was relatively a peaceful dude that you can watch you can read in the Gospels, and so like, I mean, you just had you had this ragtag group of guys, but they all followed Jesus, and yeah. every one of them made an impact on the world that we're still talking about today inside this room, two thousand years later. But so a lot of Jesus people can't connect to that, though, right? A lot of us no. can't connect to that in a lot of ways. And so, what do we do? How do we do this? I think part of it is we've got to dip out. If I can say that in today's world, we got to dip out of the news, twenty-four hour news cycle. Oh man, don't say that. You've got to you've got to step out of it. You've yeah. got to not turn on the news. Why don't Why don't you try this? Not turning on the news for three days, and see what happens. And I mean, don't flip it on on your phone. I, it's a joke in our house. I come home if we're going to try. We're kind of in a season right now. We're not turning the TV on. So. I'm not turning the TV on when I get home. I don't turn it on in the morning. We've hid the remotes, locked them in my safe. The kids can't get a hold of them. Yeah. Like we are not watching TV. But my my son, John Thomas, will say, hey, Dad, let's see if the world's on fire. Because that's what I say all the time. I'm saying, let's turn it on, Fox News or CNN or BBC or whatever. I'm going to see if the world's on fire. And so if we flip it on and look for 10 minutes, turn it off. Mm-hmm. Do that if you want to. But cut yourself out of the crud. Yeah. It changes your personality when you're not being filled with all that yeah. stuff. I think that's one of the reasons why we see we've seen such a rise of depression, you know, especially in our modern culture. One of them. Yeah, one of them. I really think it's one of the leading causes. And especially I mean cuz I was listening to a podcast the other day on the way on the way up to Gatlinburg with my wife, and they were talking about the 24-hour news cycle really started like the early 2000s. It yeah. was like 2001, 2002, yeah. and they were like they were scrounging to find material, so they yeah. like covered this like murder case in like backwoods California. And now the 24-hour news cycle is constantly filled with just – it's just junk. I mean, yeah. it's constantly just people's opinions of just random things. And so what I've done to help do this is I, I've limited my intake to news one time a day. Yeah. That's it, one time a day. Let me and, ask you a question, though. Yeah. Is your political view on anything that's important, including election stuff, changing – on a weekly basis even, given the amount of information you take in in news? Absolutely not. I don't think so. So what are we watching it for? That is a good point. 
I mean, I I mostly keep up to see what's going on in the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 more concerned with what's going on in China, what's going on in Japan, what's going on in Russia, because I want to know how the world is sure. influencing. You know, I'm I'm gonna be real with you. I don't read. I read the polls. That's it. I just keep up with the polls. Read the polls. Uh, they I don't mean, work. Last time we, it was proven they don't work. Yeah, they know? don't work. But man, it's always good. I, I'm listen, man. I'm a news junkie. I'm just gonna take it in. I'm just. I'm gonna push another I, schedule. Yeah, I mean, so I, we've made the joke since I got here about social media, mm-hmm. and I and I have said that I love the way I do social media and, and the way I'm, I call I'm, it. I'm gonna use it. I, I'm a social so- media narcissist. Yes, I'm a social media narcissist. So I mean that in the sense of like we post because we got a lot of friends and family all around the country mm-hmm. that are want to see what's going on with our kids. I don't. I mean, I, I, on Facebook, I I can't even remember the last time I scrolled a news feed on Facebook. Yeah, I can't remember that because what I have found is all it does is either make me like depressed or hooked to keep scrolling. Yeah, I remember um, it cracks me up every time I know Thomas is on Facebook trying to get caught up because he'll like a comment from like three weeks ago yeah, and he'll dude. pop them on my feed, yeah. and I'm like, dude, that was three weeks ago. But Thomas, I I, I respect that because man. I am one of these people that if I get caught in it, it's just yeah. dopamine hit. I need that dopamine. I need. Well, that, that's literally I how I was created. I need to do that, that like. I need that thing. I need that. I need that. I need the that. The social limit talks about it, like the idea that you pull down on your phone and it gives the little circle, like it's preparing to give you the most updated feed, yeah. is the exact same dopamine hit in your brain that you get from pulling the 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 bar oh, on the on machine. the slot machine. And then um and, and I also noticed this too in the social dilemma. You know where it talks about the ellip- the ellipses when yes. they're, when they're texting back. Yeah, that it shows makes you, you that they're sit back. there and you they're they're coming back. Oh for yeah, you. that's the worst. Oh my gosh, man! Like you know, and and so what I did was I turned off my read receipts yes. on my phone, so that way yeah. I don't people don't get those. Yep. You know, and, and and that way it just it makes me not sit there and addicted to that thing. And so I think I mean, just looking at social media in this light, just quick testimony. The 2016 election raked me through the coals because I'm going to be real with you. I try to take this middle line. I was like, man, like some of the stuff Trump said is wrong, but man, a lot of the stuff Hillary said is wrong. Like, you know, I'm like sitting there trying to like ride this middle line. And I remember a pastor at the time pulled me in and he said, listen, Tyler, like you're not making anybody happy. You're ticking everyone off. (laughs) Like, I mean, and that was just it. I mean, it was, I mean, it was really just that it was that thing. And a good friend of mine came in and he sat down with me and I mean, let me have it. I mean, like, and, and yeah. what I realized was social media is nothing more than an echo chamber. Yeah, man. It's just an echo chamber. You're just yelling to but hear he, yourself. But yell. here's the part. Every, it is an echo chamber. And that you talked about depression. The only result I ever see in the long run with social media when it's used as an echo chamber is a depression or a frustration. Because what you do is you're putting out there something that's personal to you, mm-hmm. like a selfie or a picture of your family, and you, you didn't get 200 likes this time, and now you're like, well, people didn't like that picture. Yeah. Or you didn't get like the response you wanted on something you stated about the Bible or about Scripture, and you got only got 30 likes on that, but you get 200 likes on your picture of your family. You know? yeah. You're like, well, nobody cares about this. You know, So it doesn't do anything positive for you. I mean, the guy that invented the like button did it because they wanted to see love go across the country, right, across the world by hitting mm-hmm. the like button. Instead, it's creating depression because people don't get enough likes. Yeah. And so the, the, the issue is, what is it doing for us, really? Like, if you turn off social media today, you don't have to turn it off. Turn off your notifications for social media today. Yep. What are you missing out on? If you turn off the TV from the 24-hour news cycle, what are you missing out on? Or how does any of that draw our hearts to Jesus more? I see it as a way to promote Jesus. Yes. But how does it draw our heart to Jesus? And I, 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 think, it, I think it draws us more into, not in, your, not in the way you, we just use the term social media narcissist, 
I think it draws you more into a narcissistic mindset. Sure. Of me matters. I matter. Yeah. My my. Yeah. You become the god of social media because sure. the world because everything in social media is curated algorithms and everything towards you. Yeah. And so what happens is is that when you actually withdraw from it. And I actually did this when I was a senior in high school. One of my, and this is back when the biggest social media was MySpace, right? And so, <laughs> when I was in high school, my uh, the lady who was really pouring into me, uh, Cindy Fountain from Etowah High School, she said, "Tyler, turn off your TV for a week and just see what happens." Oh yeah. And I had a dumb phone at the time. I didn't have a smartphone. All right, so I didn't I didn't get a smartphone until I was a sophomore in college. I'll never forget tuning back in to ESPN and seeing all the you know just sexual innuendo that was on ESPN. All the marketing that was marketing me towards a to, towards the good life is what the world yeah, saw. Quote it. the good life. Quote yeah. the good life. I, that's the last time I really ever remember watching TV. Like I mean, like genuinely, like consuming like cable cable TV. Now I mean, I still watch sports. I still watch those things, but like I don't. I, I see it through a different light because my like essentially the scales fell off, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I've been feeding into this. I've been given sure. this, and so I would encourage everyone. And and listen, please, if you're going to do this, withdraw from social media. But don't post about withdrawing from social media. <laughs> Could I just call people out for that? Like, is that okay? Because, I mean, it frustrates me to no end. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not logging into social media for three days. Uh, hey, I'm going to take a break from social media. What are you, are you want, You're literally doing it for the dopamine hit of people going to be like, oh, I miss you. I'm going to miss your post. Yeah. I'm going to be real with you. Don't do it for that reason. Just do it to get closer to Jesus. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm just going to say, oh, I'm gonna say hey, it. turn off your notification and start there. Let's not hit the news cycle more than once a day. Hit it in the morning, hit it in the evening. Where I say in the, I'd say in the morning after you read the Bible, if you have time. That way you see it. Okay. That's what I do. That way you have yeah. it in perspective. And if you do it, do it through reading instead of through watching. You know, hit, hit, hit why because everything's in the first paragraph. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? So so read it, read it, get it done, and then spend your time engaging with people mm-hmm. and engaging with the Lord and walking with Him. Here's my my biggest fear. Yeah. And the social dilemma just brought this even again back home. My biggest fear is that I'm going to look back and realize that I spent thousands of hours yeah. staring at a screen, even quote with my family, and not been with my family. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lose an opportunity over hours and hours, thousands of hours over my lifetime that I could have had leading them to love Jesus that yeah. might make the difference in their eternity. John Piper says this about that. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, look at your screen time. Go in your settings, find your screen time, and say, how much more time could I have spent spending it with the Lord, mm-hmm. praying, listening, reading, spending it with my family, praying, listening, reading, or spending it with other people who need Jesus, praying with them, for them, listening to them, and reading with them the scriptures. Yes, and I, I just I think that you know the biggest, the biggest word is this, is curation, like curating. Yeah. Uh, making sure that we're curating our intake of media because it is changing us. I mean, they, they talk about this now. Once again, this is from a secular mindset. Our brains have not, like, everybody's like, oh, we'll adapt to social media. We'll adapt to yeah. it. We're not adapting. It's just not happening. Yeah. And so we need to learn how to curate our media intake and really uptake our scripture intake and our time with Jesus and our time with other people. I'll never forget during COVID, at the beginning of COVID, my um my wife's grandmother did not know anything was going on. Yeah, because she didn't have social media. She didn't, she didn't have social media. <laughs> she hadn't watched the news in a few days, and so like we went out there and we're like, hey, like this is what we're gonna be doing. We're telling her because like, I mean this was back when we didn't know anything about the virus and the, right. you know it was really fear driven. Like we'll bring you your groceries, we'll do these things, and she's like, why are you doing all this? 
Like, I kind of look back and I'm like, man, I wish I could live in a world like that. Because when we live in a world like that, you realize the world really isn't on as fire as what media makes it out to be. But that's what it was like 70 years ago. Right? I, I mean, mean, honestly, yeah. 50 years yeah, ago. Yeah, 50 years ago. I mean, you could honestly say 40 years ago. 1980. You could really say the 80s. Yeah. I mean, even I mean, even early 90s even. Dude, I remember we, we rolled into D.C. when I was about 10 years old going on a tour, like a two-week trip to D.C., and we rolled in the morning that the United States had bombed Gaddafi. And we only knew something was wrong because the sun was coming up. And as we rolled into D.C. by the White House, there was dump trucks and tanks and there were snipers everywhere and jets flying over the Capitol. Mm-hmm. You know? And so we were like, what is happening? They turned on the radio and we heard. We'd have never known it in Gaston, Alabama for hours or days. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like it, it, it would have been the same. Yeah. Nowadays, it's the opposite. Here, here's my big thing. I'm not trying to say kill everything. I'm saying no, absolutely not. Submit, uh, die on, die daily, crucify yourself daily. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus mm-hmm. says. Well, what is the you he's talking about? Is he talking about everything you desire? Is he talking about all the bad things? He's saying, give yourself over to me. Let me refine them. Die to self. Live like me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, keep your social media. You be in charge of it. Mm-hmm. Don't let it run you. And if you're not sure if it's running you, ask your spouse. Yeah. Ask your spouse, do I spend too much time looking at my phone? Ask your kids, do I spend too much time looking at my phone? Ask your friends and let's see what they say. And you can also, if you have an iPhone, you can ask your iPhone, pull up that screen time yeah. thing, get convicted. Just ask it. Like, Siri, <laughs> show, me my, show me my screen time yeah. this week. And you know, and their goal should be to lessen it every week. Yep. And I swear to you, if you take your notification, I haven't had notifications for Facebook on my phone for two or three years. Yeah. And I look at my phone and I look at uh, Instagram and it's like, oh, I have like 10 notifications. I, ch- I want to check it immediately. I, l- I never feel that with Facebook because I don't have any notifications. I, don't, I turned all my notifications off after I read, um, what is the name of that book by John Mark Comer? Um, yeah, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Thank yeah. you, Luke. Thanks, Luke. Um, I read that book and I turned off my notifications. I love it. Yeah. Like, I love it. Now, when I log on to Facebook, the problem is I have sometimes like 20 plus notifications. I'm like, oh, well, here's the thing. And so I need again, to curate that. But at the yeah. same time, it, it, it helps. Here's the thing, too. I, one of my best friends, George Butler, mm-hmm. said this to me a long time ago. We had phones. We were at seminary. It was like 2004, 2005. And I was calling and calling him and calling him. He didn't answer. He didn't answer. He lived across the hall from me in the dorm. And I, so I'm beating on his door and he answered the door. I was like, hey, man, are you going to answer your phone? And he looked at me, not meanly, just looked at me and said, my phone is my phone. It's for me. It's not for you. And I was like, that's the most profound thing I've heard anybody say about a cell phone. You know, it's like, I feel like an idiot, but it's so true. Mm -hmm. If you don't respond to somebody's Facebook message and they get mad at you, just think about how silly that is. Okay. If they want you, they can call you. They can text they you. They can show up. They can show up at your house. They can email you. There's 20,000 ways for them to get in touch with you. We don't need notifications for Facebook messages. Nope. We don't need that stuff. So if you want to use it, that's fine. I'm not talking down about it. I'm just saying I think the great divide in our heart is the real great divide in America. Mm-hmm. And our, we're divided with all this crud going on around us when really if we step back, you wouldn't talk to somebody in person the way you talk to them on social media. You wouldn't talk about somebody in person the way we talk about them on social media yeah. or on the news. So why don't we get that crud out of our face 
and let's just let the word drive our way and let us spend a little extra time with our family, a little extra time with the word, with the Lord, a little and extra see how it changes our faith us. family. Yeah. And, I mean, and just really just engage with one another. Yes. I mean, God created us as communal creatures. Yeah. We're not meant to be behind screens. We're meant to be face to face. Yep. Is it let us pursue Jesus together in that way? And, la- and, and lastly, let me say this too. I'm not just talking. There's so many of us right now going, yeah, that's right. I wish these young people would hear that. To be honest with you, Young people are less ruled by their phones, in my estimate, by watching than older adults. Yeah. People 40 and up are ruled as much or more so by their phones than I see young people being ruled by their phones. Mm-hmm. Young people choose to use their phones in some of the same ways and do it, but they're not tied to it like older of us are. Yeah. And so I'm talking to everybody here. It's all of us. We yeah. need to take it all in check and check out where we are. I think it'll end up making, you want to look different and see the world look at you and say, what's different about you? Why are you this way? They will see Jesus in that, I think, in, in a way and be like, something's different about you. Why are you not hooked to that? Why are you not doing this? And you can explain. Yeah. You know, it takes away from my time. If the story from Francis Chan, I'll end on this. And I'll quit talking about it. That, that Francis Chan is sitting there with his mother-in-law, forgetting the memory right here, and they go out to watch a movie in the theater. This is years ago, and uh, all of a sudden, with their family in the middle of the movie, not very far in, his mother-in-law gets up and leaves the theater and doesn't come back after a couple minutes. And he's like, "Is something wrong? I need to go check on her." He gets up and they go out and they find her at a bench outside of the movie, and she's just sitting there and she's like praying. And they asked, well, is everything okay? Well, why did you leave the movie? Is everything all right? And she said, I just realized that if my, if my Savior returned today, I didn't want him to find me in there doing that. Now, I'm not saying don't watch movies. I watch movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't do something fun or do things. I'm just saying, man, that, could, that, that changes my thought process on how I spend my time. Yeah. You know, how would we look? How would we feel if we knew all that? Like you said, that Piper talked about that in that yeah. way. How is that going to be brought into judgment, and and how are we wasting our time? Yeah. John Calvin, um, who, you know, when he died, uh, he was bringing people into his bedroom to preach the word, and they mm-hmm. asked him to stop, and he said this, and it just blows my mind. He said, "Why should I stop? Would the Lord not find me in such a way that I'd be idle when He returns?" Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and that's that's it. And so, well, y'all, thank you so much for tuning in on this this episode of the Rechurch Podcast. If you need any more information. Hit us up by email at hope12.co, or you can find our emails on our website or message us through Instagram. Uh, We've been getting a lot of feedback about our different episodes. We love it, so keep giving us that feedback. Tune in next week. We look forward to seeing you there. Peace out, peeps.